Amen. Alright. Write this down. The myth of singleness. Say it with me. The myth of singleness. Singleness is a myth. And what I mean by that is, you and I have been taught by society and the church that it is not good to be single. The pressure that we find, even in the church, makes you feel uncomfortable if you are unmarried. As a matter of fact, as soon as you turn 25 years old, the old people in the church begin to wonder whether you are straight. And they begin to ask you questions like, so when are you going to get married? You found anybody yet? Are you an old maid? Are you a homosexual? And they begin to pressure you to make you feel like something is wrong with you because you are single, they call it. And so you get this idea that you are not complete until you are married. That is satanic. And it is unscriptural. It is unbiblical. So we'll talk about understanding the advantage of being single. Sit up with me. Understanding the advantage of being single. Next. Most of the people who I know, please change the slide, please. Most of the people who I know who are not married are not happy with their state. I have come to make you happy about being unmarried. And I'm going to show you from scripture that God's desire is for you to be single not only now, but for the rest of your life. <laughs> so we're going to focus on single, but yet complete. We're going to be dealing with understanding the principle of wholeness. The reason my, why my marriage is working so well is because I am still single. Mm. I was attracted to my wife because she was single. And she was attracted to me because I was single. And we have enjoyed our married life because we are both still single. There's your mystery. Now, the next picture you're about to see is my wife and I getting married again. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she precious? She is my girl, my baby, my love. We are so madly in love. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? That's my girl right there, man. That's how you look after 26 years of marriage. Give the Lord a hand for a beautiful, beautiful couple. The number one source of stress among humans is relationships. Write that down. The number one stress among humans is relationships. 90% of the problems in this church and in this community are related to relationships. 
Children not getting along with their parents. Parents not getting along with their children. Girl not getting along with boy. Husband not getting along with wife. Wife divorcing husband. Pastor not getting along with members. Members being offended by pastor. Citizen angry with politician. Politician confused about citizens. All relationship problems. And even though stress is caused by relationships, everyone is challenged by the mystery of human relationships. Everybody. The key to successful relationships is knowledge. Write it down. The key to successful relationships is what? Is what? I can't hear you. Is what? Knowledge. Here's a scripture that you should remember for the rest of your life. Because this scripture has protected me as a single unmarried man when I was a teenager. Proverbs 24 verse 3 says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established, and through knowledge its rooms are filled with beautiful treasure. This statement made by Solomon almost 4,000 years ago now is the secret to a successful home and successful relationship and a successful marriage. Please notice Solomon says that the secret to a successful relationship is not kissing, holding hands, sex, or love. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even mention love. Most of the people who get divorced still love one another. Love does not keep marriages together. I repeat, love does not keep marriage together. If your parents are divorced, I am telling you now, they still love one another. The problem is, they couldn't live with one another. So when someone tells you they love you, that is no guarantee that your marriage will work with them. Love is not a guarantee for successful relationships. I know you are shocked at that, but that's the truth. As a pastor of the largest church in my country, I counsel hundreds of people every year. And they sit in my office with divorce papers in their hands. And I look at them across my desk. And I wonder, what are you doing here? And the man would say to me, Pastor, I can't live with her. And I asked him, do you love her? He would say, yes. And I would say, then why are you divorcing her? She's crazy. But you love her? Yes. I'd ask the lady, do you love him? Yes. Why are you getting divorced from him? He's a beast. But you love him? Yes. And every case is the same. So it isn't love that's the problem. They just cannot live together. That's why your mother and father got a divorce. They got married because they loved one another. And yet, they split apart. Not because of hatred. They didn't know. Read my lips. They did not know how to live with the other person. So Solomon is right. Through wisdom a house is built 
and through understanding it is established. And through knowledge, its rooms become a pleasant place to live. Some homes are so full of stress that people don't want to go home. That's why they stay in church. So much pressure in that house, they hide in prayer meetings to avoid going home. Sometimes the house is so full of tension, people walk around and don't talk to one another. They sleep back to back. They are nervous about speaking in the house. That's not a house full of rare and beautiful treasure. That's a house full of pain and conflict and stress. And Solomon says the reason why the house is so full of stress is because the individuals in that marriage lack wisdom, understanding and knowledge. They don't lack love and sex. Young people listen to me. And older unmarried adults listen to me. Marriage is not a solution to your problem. You got this funny idea that you're going to find someone to marry and you'll finally be happy. I disagree. Marriage will manifest your defect. <laughs> Look at this next slide. The most important foundation for relationships is found in this statement. The most important relationship in life is not interpersonal relationship, but intrapersonal relationship. Please buy this tape and listen to it ten times. I'm going to repeat this. The most important relationship in life is not interpersonal relationships. It is intrapersonal relationships. What do I mean by that? The most important relationship in your life is not the relationship with another person. It is the relationship with yourself. Most of you hate yourself and want someone to live with you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the person behind you. Most of you cannot get along with yourself and you want somebody to get along with you. If you hate your face, hate your nose, hate your hair, hate your bow leg, hate your fat face, hate your thick lips, hate your hips, why do you want me to love it? Mm. Self-love is the most important love on earth. If you don't love you, why should I? Self-knowledge is the key to successful relationships. What is it? I can't hear you. What is it? What is the most important key to relationships? Self-knowledge. In other words, most of you want to know other people and don't know yourself. You think you do. Let me ask you a question and please don't answer it. If you knew all you know about yourself, would you marry you? Uh-oh. <laughs> think about it. How does your breath smell in the morning? How about your shoe and your toes after you walk for a while? How about the set of your socks? You want me to sleep with that? <laughs> we never think of what we're asking people to do. Would you marry you if you knew you the way you know you? Short of patience. Temper. Don't bathe enough. <laughs> Eat too much. Secret sins. Would you marry you? Just a question. Listen, some single thoughts about marriage. Here they are. Write this down. Number one, you don't need to be married to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Repeat that after me. You don't need to be married to fulfill God's purpose for your life. That's a shock for some of you. There is no reference in the Bible anywhere where God commands you to be married to fulfill His will. 
It does not exist in scripture. Matter of fact, what does exist in scripture is the opposite. In the book of First Corinthians chapter 7, it says, If a man or a woman are unmarried, they do well, for they can give God 100% of their time. But if a man marries or a woman marries, then he will have to cut his time with God and give it to his spouse. In other words, when you get married, it literally takes away from your commitment to your purpose. Many people actually lose their purpose because they got married, because they married someone who stops them from fulfilling God's purpose for their lives. Some of you are doing well right now. You sing in the choir. You attend prayer meetings. You are always in Bible studies. You always can report to church, do some activity, get involved in ministry. And then you marry a bum who don't want to come to church. And now he stops you from prayer meeting. He stops you from coming to choir practice. He don't want you to go to church every week. And he becomes angry at the pastor because he's competing with the pastor. And now you've got to stay home because you married someone who took you out of God's will. Don't rush into marriage. It is not a prerequisite to fulfill God's will. Most of the people in the world who impacted the world were unmarried. I am not against marriage. Don't get me wrong. But I am against you using it to try and solve your loneliness problem. Marriage does not solve loneliness. It only exposes it. If you don't believe me, you ask the woman sitting next to you who is married, but it ain't working out. The loneliest place in the world is to be married and not getting along. You are trapped. Nothing is worse than being married and alone. Paul says in the book of Corinthians chapter 7, First Corinthians, he says... If you are unmarried, remain that way. For those who get married have many troubles. <laughs> I'm quoting the Bible. Some of you can't wait to get into troubles. You are praying, oh God, please send me trouble. Please, God, in the name of Jesus, I want my troubles to come quickly, Lord. Let the trouble come now. I can hear you praying right now. Number two, marriage is a choice, not a requirement. There is no command in the Bible for you to get married. So why do the religious church people put pressure on you? I got married at age 25 and it was completely calculated. I decided I am not going to be married until I finish my master's degree. Because I discovered that the more you develop yourself, the more of a blessing you can be to somebody. The more value you add to yourself, the more value you bring to someone's life. Marriage is a choice, not a requirement. Can I make you aware of something the Lord told me one day when I was teaching in a seminar on marriage? He said these words. He said, the reason why many are not married yet is because I am protecting people from them. Let me say it again. You missed it. He said, the reason why many of you are not married yet is because I am protecting people from you. Because you are not prepared, you are not valuable, not developed yourself, you've not advanced yourself, not educated yourself, not learned enough to know how to be a blessing to someone. So I'm protecting them from you. It's not a requirement. Some of you have put your life on hold until you get married. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You should be busy doing God's purpose now at age 18, at age 20, at age 25, at age 30. You should be so involved in God's purpose for your life that you ain't got time to get married. At age 18, I was a national 
evangelist in my country. At age 20, I was having crusades with five, six thousand teenagers. At age 22, I had the number one hit song on the radio all over the Caribbean singing the gospel. What are you doing at age 20? Sitting around looking for someone to get married to. Wasting your life. Your purpose is not in your marriage. It's in you. Marriage could destroy your purpose. You could marry the wrong person and mess your vision up completely. It's important for you to get busy on your purpose right now so that when people come into your life, they meet you fulfilling your purpose so they know what you were born to do before they even talk to you. My name is Daddy Miles. I'm talking to maturing. Young man, stop looking for a girlfriend and look for God's will for your life. Young woman, stop trying to find a boyfriend and try and find God's purpose for your life. You got the rest of your life to be married. The average human in this room will live to be 75 years old. The average human. That means you. So that means your life has three phases. Write them down. The first 25 years should be focused on me. The second 25 years should be focused on we. And the third and final 25 years should be focused on them. That means before you turn 25, you shouldn't even be thinking about marriage. You should be thinking about developing yourself, educating yourself, disciplining yourself, training yourself, read the word, fasting, praying. Why? Because when you get married, you ain't got time to fast no more. You can't pray no more because now you got responsibilities. So you better spend the first 25 learning how to read the word of God. I read the Bible more in the first 25 years of my life than I did after I got married. Because when you get married, the Bible says your time has to be split with your spouse. When I was 20 years old, I was fasting 20, 30 days. Why? I had no one to report to. I was unmarried. When I got married, I couldn't fast like that no more. Because my wife wanted to eat with me. And here you are, begging to be married, interfering with your own growth. Everybody say, relax. relax. Tell your neighbor, relax. Take it easy. You got a lot of time. Don't put no pressure on yourself, my friends. And don't let no old Christian put no pressure on you either. <laughs> Write this one down, please. Number three. Marriage is designed only for earth, not heaven. That's biblically sound. Jesus said, when a man gets married and his spouse dies, if a woman gets married and her spouse dies, when they go to heaven... There is no marrying nor giving in marriage. So marriage is always only temporary. It is only for earth. Why you get so uptight about something so temporary when you are lacking things that are spiritual and eternal? You will grow more right now than you will ever grow in your life. Because you get the time to do it. Some of you are 21 years old and have not yet read the Bible completely through yet. What a shame. The Bible says, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young woman keep his way pure? By adhering to the word of God and hiding their hearts. You don't even have time to read the word. You want to go out for some, you know, the date. You want to go for ice cream. You want to spend time watching TV with somebody. And God said, look, you better use this time now to get the word in your heart. When I was 15 years old, I read the Bible through completely. Didn't understand it, but I read it. When I was 16, I read it again. 17, I read it again. By the time I was 18, I read the Bible through seven times completely. Today, I've read the, this week, this year, every year I read the Bible through, it's my 38th time. And you haven't done it once. 
Shut the TV off. Tell your friends, don't call on your cell phone. Turn it off. And use your unmarried time to get the word in your life. Because when you get married, you won't have time. I'm telling you, you won't have time, sir. The most important time in your life is your unmarried time. So don't rush out of it. Enjoy it. Grow in it. Develop in it. And then you will offer someone a better product when they arrive. Next, failure in marriage can derail your purpose. How many people couldn't wait? They had such a promising life, great dreams, wonderful vision for their lives, want to go into business, want to start a ministry, want to write books, and then they marry someone who have no interest in their dreams. And their purpose was derailed. Number four, number five, it is better to be unmarried and happy than to be married and depressed. Say amen. Say it loud. Amen. Some of you think you are depressed. Wait till you get married. If you think marriage is wonderful, talk to some married people and let them be honest. Paul says, do not rush into marriage. Be sober. And if you are unmarried, he says, do not desire to be. What's he talking about? He said, if you marry, you don't sin. He said, but I wish you wouldn't right away because you need to spend your focus and your time on God first. Some people were happy until they got married. You know them. You know them, don't you? Yes, you think about them. You, you think for a minute, you know them. They were singing in the choir. They were good friends with you. I mean, you went to prayer meeting and then they got married and now they are depressed, frustrated and looking old before their time. Enjoy your unmarried life. And finally, number six, divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Listen, if your marriage didn't work out, you are not going to hell. Don't let no one put any guilt trip on you. The Bible never says divorce is the unpardonable sin. If you made a bad decision and you fall into a situation that didn't work out, God's grace is sufficient to forgive you and cleanse you and give you some wisdom and hopefully you'll attend a conference like this and get some tapes and books so you won't have that problem again in the future. The solution to divorce is not a second marriage. It's a second chance to get knowledge. Very important. Alright, next. The ultimate trauma in life. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. God says in Malachi, rather, chapter 2, Malachi chapter 2, God says, I hate divorce. There are only a few things God says he hates. And this is one of them. I hate divorce. God never says, I hate the divorcee. By the way, God doesn't mean that he necessarily hates divorce, that it happens. He hates what it does to you. It destroys a peace in your internal equilibrium. It takes you off course. You lose your sense of value, your sense of significance, your sense of self. You walk around with depression and failure on the inside because you didn't succeed. Because I hate to see that happen to you. I hate divorce, says the Lord. And I hate a man covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. Why does God hate divorce? Here's why. God does not hate the divorcee. So why does God hate divorce so much? Because he hates what it does to his image. Next. Next. There is no human experience more tragic than divorce. Now some of you are sitting here thinking, Dr. Monroe, 
excuse me, sir. Uh, we are not in a divorce conference. We are in a singles conference, you know. That's why I'm talking about divorce. Because it hasn't happened to you yet. There is no human experience more tragic than divorce. Why? Point number two. Because divorce is death of a relationship. Now, why is divorce worse than physical death? The answer is very simple. Listen, you ask anyone in this room who's been through a divorce, they will tell you that they felt like dying. Ask them. Why is divorce worse than physical death? Here's why. Because when somebody physically dies, you can take them to the cemetery, put them in a hole, put dirt on top of them, put some flowers on it, and say goodbye. And you never see them again. Say amen. In other words, when someone dies physically, you can bring closure to the relationship and leave them in the graveyard and never see them again. But when somebody divorces you, the relationship dies, but you see them in the food store. You see them at the gas station. They got to come see the kids. They keep resurrecting. And the pain comes back every time you see them. It's worse than physical death. And that's what God wants to save you from. You don't deserve divorce. You're too special to get a divorce. So don't rush into marriage. Take your time so you never get a divorce. Get knowledge so it never happens to you. Get wisdom so it never happens to you. Get understanding so it never happens to you. Love does not protect you from divorce. Knowledge does. Wisdom does. Understanding does. The reason why you have stress with your wife, son, is not because she's bad or you are bad. There's ignorance in the house. Living with a human is an art. And you've got to study the art. You think because you're 25, you are smart. Listen, if you never learned algebra and you are 80, you still don't know it. Which means if you never learn how to live with a human, don't know how the difference between a man and a woman, don't know how to communicate, don't know the 16 unique differences between a male and a female, don't know what a woman man needs, no matter how old you are, you still don't know it. In other words, age does not qualify you to get married. Knowledge does. Clap. You are ready for marriage when you have the information. Not when you have someone to marry. The Apostle Peter was married, by the way. That's why I don't understand what the popes are saying, you know, they shouldn't get married. They say they are descendants of Peter. That means every pope should be married. <laughs> Peter was married. How do I know? Jesus healed his mother-in-law. Clap. <laughs> and Peter must have been a strong man because his mother-in-law lived with him. Lord have mercy. And Peter wrote this. Peter said, Husbands, live with your wives according to knowledge. The book of 1 Peter. Peter said, Love don't make this thing work. You need knowledge to live with a woman. And a woman needs a degree to live with a man. Because men are crazy. You need to study men real good. They are weird. They're nuts. <laughs> Write this down, please. Nobody wants to experience a divorce. Why? Very important. Because singleness is the key to protecting yourself from a divorce. As a young woman or a young man, I want you to read 
the words of Jesus in a minute. Write this down, please. Number one, divorce is impossible without marriage. Say that with me. Divorce is impossible without marriage. Say it again. In other words, you cannot get a divorce unless you marry. So the best way to stay away from divorce... (laughs) Every person that I have talked to and counseled who have been through a divorce have said this. If I had known, I wouldn't have gotten married. If I knew it hurt this much, I wouldn't have gotten married yet. Point number two. Marriage is impossible without individuals. I want to show you how this works. Point number three. Marriage is a prerequisite for divorce. So if you don't want to get a divorce, you've got to focus on marriage first. If you don't want to get married, you've got to focus on individuals first. Point number four. Singleness is the prerequisite for marriage. Let me, let me build that for you, okay? I've got to build that for you. Let's see. Now, can you come help me, my able assistant? Pastor, can you help me as well? Can you stand right here? You stand here. Okay, you stand over there. Okay, both of you all face me. Okay, come a little bit this way. You stay there. Okay. Now, can you come a second? Stand here. Now, don't forget what you're about to see. This is a single unmarried man. This is that man getting married. This is that man getting a divorce. Follow me now. Very important. Listen, this is not funny. Listen. Now, he couldn't get divorced unless he was first married. He couldn't get married unless he was first single. So, singleness determines the quality of your marriage. The quality of your marriage determines whether you get a divorce or not. So your marriage is only as good as your singleness. Divorce is decided in your single life. If you don't get knowledge in this stage, you have already predicted that stage. My marriage will work until I die. How do I know that? Because my wife and I prepared ourselves so well when we were unmarried that our marriage is guaranteed. So divorce will never show up in my life. Divorce is predictable. Very important. You can determine whether you have a successful marriage by the quality of your single life. So if you want to know what happened that caused you to get a divorce, you've got to turn around and go back and talk to your marriage life. If you want to know what happened to your marriage, you've got to go back and talk to your single life. That's where it begins. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Your marriage is only as good as what? Now write this down, point number two. You bring to the marriage what you are as a single. No miracle happens at the altar. If you are stupid, unmarried, you'll be stupid at the altar. If you are broke, unmarried, you'll be broke at the altar. If you can't cook, unmarried, you can't cook at the altar. If you are ignorant as a single person, you'll be ignorant dressed up in a suit on your marriage day. Nothing happens at the altar. You bring 
to the altar which you are as a saint. And most of you can't wait to see that dress walk down the aisle or that tuxedo walk to meet you. And you don't know what's in that tuxedo. Next. And this is very important to remember. I call it the omelette principle. Write this down. By the way, that's me and my wife kissing. We are in Greece. It was last year on a cruise. We qualified a kiss. We've been married for 27 years, 26 years this year, 27 in September. Write this down. Marriage is like an omelette. It is only as good as the eggs. <laughs> Marriage is just like an omelette. It is only as good as the eggs. Your omelette that you make is only as good as the quality of the eggs you make it from. Now, when I was 22 years old, I did an experiment. Because I was teaching on marriage from age 22. What I did was, I took a rotten egg. How do I make it rotten? I took a pin and put a few holes in the shell. And it rotten. In other words, I cracked the egg. There were defects. It was a defect. I cracked the character of the egg. Its character was cracked. It was defective. And it began to smell. Watch me now. I took that rotten egg and I got a healthy, whole, fresh egg. I cracked them both in a bowl and I mixed them up and made an omelette. And the omelette came out stink. The rotten egg won. No matter how good the good egg was, when it yoked up with the rotten egg, <laughs> do not be unequally. It was a stinking omelette. Listen to me, friends. The problem with the experiment was this. Once I made omelette, I could not get eggs again. So my conclusion was this. Eggs are more important than omelettes. I know young people say to me, and older people say to me, Dr. Monroe, he ain't quite saved, but he's a good man. But she ain't quite in the body of Christ yet, but she's a good woman. And I'm getting old. I'm 40 right now. And whatever comes, come here. And you grab anything that comes with all kind of defects in it. And here you are, full of the Holy Spirit, loving God, ministering to God, faithful to the body of Christ, faithful to the church, always in the presence of God. And then you marry a defective egg. And you say to me, uh, I'll get him to come to church. I'll change her. I will teach her that she needs God. It never works. They always win. Eggs determine omelettes. Which means singleness determines marriage. Which means it's more important to be single than to be married. It's more important to check a person's single life before you get into their married life. Because whatever they are as a single, they bring to your married life. And if they are rotten, they win. 
Listen to me and please get this tape after the session. Go run and buy it quick because I'm going to say this once. If they don't change to get you, they will never change to keep you. They'll change. He'll change. She'll change. They won't. You already know what your standards for them. So before you crack with anybody, study the egg. Is this good stuff? Is that why you're so quiet? Yeah. God sent me right on time. Because you was about to make a bad decision tonight. God sent me to this city and to this church tonight because you were about to do something stupid and He sent me to save your life. Give Him a praise right now. Lift your hands and say out to me. I deserve the best. Clap out loud. Praise God. You deserve the best. Write this down, please. The questions left asked. I repeat the question that I repeated before. If you knew all you know about you, would you marry you? Question number two. Could you live with you for the rest of your life? We ask people to do amazing things like marry me. <laughs> That's an amazing request. Leave the safety of your home and marry me. That's a hard question. Marry my smelly foot. Marry my stinking breath. Marry my bad ways. Marry my stinginess. The things we ask people to do are amazing. And we call it love. I call it risk. <laughs> Write this down, please. The myth of singleness. I want to close on this part of it. I got a lot more to say, but I can't stay any longer. I have 84 slides. You only saw 15. I must be back. Can I come back? Tell me how bad you want me to come back. Show me. If you want me to come back, clap.
What do I mean by that? Point number four. Singleness is a state to be pursued, not avoided. Most of you have been taught to run away from singleness. I've come to tell you to pursue it. What do I mean by that? Point number five. To be single should be the goal of every married person. Now there's your confusion. What do I mean by that? Because number two is true. Relationships get better the more single you become. What do I mean by these statements? Next, there is a difference between being unmarried and being single. But what they have confused you with is they've made unmarried and single synonymous. Being single is not the same as being unmarried. What do I mean by that? Point number two. Never confuse unmarried with being single. Why? Point number three. Most married people have never been single. And that is why their marriage is under stress or have failed. Why do I say that? Point number four. Unmarried is a state, while singleness is a disposition. Let me put it this way. What you are wanting right now is to stop being unmarried. What you should not want is to stop being single. Most of you in this room have never been single. Most of the married people in the world have never been single. All they've been was unmarried. And they thought that marriage would solve their unmarried state. But what marriage does, marriage exposes your lack of singleness. What do I mean by that? Well, next point explains it. Singleness is God's original foundation. Matthew 19, real quick, verse 3 says, Is it lawful for man to put his wife away for every and any reason? And Jesus answered, Haven't you read that at the beginning, at where? The beginning. When? At the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, he says, God made them what? Not married couple. Woo-wee. You missed the Bible. That's your problem. In this chapter, the Pharisees were telling Jesus, look, why do people get divorced for any and every reason? His answer was, because they never go back to the beginning state. God did not create a married couple. He created a male by himself, and he made a female by herself. And then Adam said, for this cause should a man leave. God didn't make a married couple. Adam married the woman. Are you listening to me? Jesus said the reason why your relationships ain't working out is because you've never been the beginning state. You've never been a full male or a full female and you got married. You've never been a whole egg and both of you are cracks in your character and you expect to have a sweet omelet. He said the reason why you got a divorce is because you were never single. Now, listen carefully. It's the most important thing I'm going to say in the next three minutes. Oh, please don't miss this. If you get this, when I see you again, you'll be free from pressure. Jesus said, the reason why marriages don't work is because the marriage is not the problem. The male and the female is the problem. The eggs 
And he said, the only way for marriage to work is for you to meet a male from the beginning and a female from the beginning. So if you want to know who to marry, you've got to check and see if they are male and female in the beginning. What is a beginning male? What is a beginning female? Well, <laughs> Jesus said, the Creator made them first unmarried single individuals. You keep marrying people the Creator never made. This is too deep. He said, the man you got married to, or the one you're going out with now, does not have the qualities of Adam. And if you study Adam, look at me, look at me, please. You study Adam, number one, Adam never looked for a mate. He was so busy naming animals, keeping the garden, fulfilling God's purpose, he didn't have time to look for a mate. He says, I want you to be like that. Stop looking for someone to marry, and I'll interrupt you to marry you. Adam knew his purpose. Adam knew his assignment. Adam knew the word of God. Adam knew what he was born to do. And he was busy about it. And if you look at Genesis, oh God have mercy. Chapter 2, verse 15, it says, And the Lord God took the male man and put him in the garden of Eden and commanded him, first command, work. Everybody say work. That was the command, not woman, work. You don't need woman first to be a real man. You need a job first, brother. And you're 16, you're still in school, you even can't get a job yet. So stop fooling with girlfriend. And the job you get can hardly buy your clothes. Leave the woman alone. Don't you love me? First command, work. Here's this guy who want to go with you, and he ain't working. He ain't qualified for the first one. Matter of fact, the first thing God gave the male, the one in the beginning, the Bible says, and the Lord God took the male and put him in the garden of Eden. The word Eden means presence of the Lord. That means the first thing a male needs is not the presence of a woman, but he needs to be in the presence of God. The second thing God gave the male man was work. The third command God told the man, he says, guard the garden. That means protect. The fourth thing God told the man, he says, was to cultivate. That means to develop everything around you. And the fifth thing God told the man was, keep my commandment. Don't touch the tree. God gave the male five things. That means any male that you qualify to marry should have five things. Number one, should be in God's presence. Number two, he should be working. Number three, he should know the word of God. Number four, he should be able to cultivate you. Number five, he should be able to protect you. If he can't protect you, can't cultivate you, can't teach you the word, and he ain't working, and he ain't in God's presence, it's good for him to be alone. Oh, you don't want me to preach before I leave. You keep asking the wrong questions to the guy. You love me? Wrong question. First question, are you in God's presence? That'll make him leave your house. Second question, are you working? Third question, can you cultivate me, baby? To cultivate me is to improve. Can you make me better than I am? Next, can you protect me? Next, can you teach me God's word? These are the questions of a real man. That's verse 15 and verse 16 and verse 17 of Genesis 2. In the beginning, Jesus says, go back to the beginning and study that man. Verse 18, it says, then God said, it is not good for this man to be alone. What man? The man who is in God's presence, who is working, who is cultivating, who can protect you, who can teach you the word. 
it's not good for that man to be alone. Adam did not know he needed a woman. God had to interrupt him to get him married. Here's the principle. Until you don't need to be married, you are not ready for marriage. Let me say it again. You missed that. Until you don't need to be married, you are not ready for marriage. Uh If you can't wait to get married, you are dangerous. People should run from you. You ever heard this? I need you. Run! As fast as you can! What they're saying is, I want to be a leech. I'm a parasite. Looking for someone to suck on. Adam never told God he needed a woman. He was too busy being himself. God says, go back to the beginning and become like that. So many young people unmarried and old people unmarried are dangerous to be with. Because they have not discovered themselves. So they try and get themselves out of you. They use you to get value. That's why they need you. I need you. I need you. What do you mean you need me? That's a dangerous statement. You ever heard this? If you leave me, I'll die. Die! You were born how? Alone. By yourself. What makes you attractive is when you don't need somebody. That's why I married my wife. When I met her in in, in high school, I couldn't handle it. She kept avoiding me, ignoring me. So I married her. And all the girls who were after me, they made me sick. They were too dependent. (laughs) Listen, God desires for you to be completely single. Let me close with a definition. Write this down. It says, so they were no longer two but one. Therefore, would God join together the one put asunder? Anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. I don't want to get into that. The disciples said unto him, If this be the situation between a man and a woman, then it is better not to marry. That's in your Bible. The disciples understood what Jesus said. He was telling them, Look, if you marry the wrong person, divorce is guaranteed. So until you find the man from the beginning, or the woman from the beginning, stay by yourself. In the book on singleness of their, please get that book and read it five times. You'll never make a mistake. What kind of woman in the beginning? First of all, the Bible says God made Eve to be a helper, fit, that means suitable for the man. So the the woman that you're looking for is a woman who can be an asset, not a deficit, not a leech. Oh Jesus, help me. You want a woman who brings to your relationship assets. She ain't stupid, she brings help to you. She helps you fulfill the assignment for your life. Some women are burdens to men. That's not a help. So if a woman brings at you, ask her, how can you help me? What are you bringing to the table? <laughs> I love you. No, no, no. What are you bringing to the table? <laughs> my wife is a complete asset. Oh, I could not imagine. She would have brought so much to my life. That's why I tell you, young women, don't waste your time looking for a man. Start developing yourself. So you can be a valuable asset. You're supposed to be a helper. Not a drain. A pressure. No man's supposed to babysit you. 
He can't even go to work where you go in. Woman, shut up! Where you been? What do you mean where I've been? The guy can't even go out anywhere. You're such a pressure. Deficit. A burden. You're supposed to help the man. The man take you out. You holding your dress up above your knees. You ain't helping him. You desperate, you're 45 years old, so you figure you better let him have sex because you want to get married because you're 40, you can't wait. You ain't helping him. You are a sanctified prostitute. You are supposed to be a helper. In the beginning, it was not so. Are you glad you came over here tonight? Are you sure? Okay. But I'm going to quit because people are leaving. I don't like teaching people leaving. So I'm going to just quit because I know some of you got to go. But let me just close with this very important verse. And I want you to write this down, please. Very important statement. It is okay to be single. But it's not good to be alone. God never said it's not good for man to be single. He said it's not good for man to be alone. Alone is not the same as single. Why? Look at this. Singleness is the most important state of the human being. It is the original state of man that God made him, male and female. Whatever God began with is the most important thing. And he did not begin the human race with a marriage. He began it with singles. Which means that single is more important than marriage because single determines the quality of your marriage. So being an unmarried person is your most important state. Singleness is the foundation of God's design for the human family. That's why God started with a single. God began the human family with a single human, not with a couple. He began with the most important thing, a single person. God forever established with that one act the foundation stone for all human relationships and that is the single individual. You are only as good as your single life. So focus on developing yourself. Focus on refining yourself. Focus on making yourself more valuable so you can be a blessing to someone in the future and not a curse. I decided I will not get married until I had my master's degree. That's a wise man. Why? I wanted to bring an asset to the woman who have I married. So I didn't get married. I, I timed it. I said, I can't get married until I get my master's degree. Why? I want to be an asset. When you know this understanding, it makes you disciplined. you 18. Your daddy already told you, girl, you're too young. But I love you. You're too young. Yeah, but we love. We just need to love. And we love. And it is you have nothing to offer her or him. You married a woman and never read the Bible before. And you're supposed to be the priest. She started off with a problem. She can't cook a meal and you marry her. Now you're always out buying food. She's not an asset. May God have mercy on us. Tonight is your last night of ignorance. I prophesy that this night shall be the beginning of a brand new maturity in your life. I prophesy that every pressure you've been feeling to have a relationship moves away from you right now. I prophesy that your love for God grows beyond your the need for another human. I prophesy that God becomes your priority and not someone to marry. In the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want to close with a demonstration and then I'm going to go. But you've got to watch the demonstration. Can I have a glass, please? I have a glass. I need another glass. Just like this. Can you find me a glass? And from anywhere. Are you glad you came out tonight? Tell your neighbor, stay single. Until you're ready for marriage. The word single means separate, unique, and whole. Write it down. The word single means what? Separate, unique, and whole. The word alone means to be exclusive. To be the only one of your kind. God says, Adam, it is not good for you to be the only one of your kind. So I make you another one just like you. Now you're not alone. For you not to be alone, all you need is somebody just like you around you. Not to marry them, just to be with another human. You're no longer alone. The word single means what? Separate, unique, and whole. What does the word single mean? Separate, unique, and whole. What does the word single mean? All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. It's fine. Now, I want you to observe this. I got a lot more to say, but my time is gone, so uh, I'm going to close with this illustration. The word single means to be separate. It means to be unique, and it means to be completely whole. Separate means to be distinct from everyone else. Unique means that you bring something that no one else has to the table. And whole means you don't need nothing from anybody to feel complete. Let me say it again. The word single means to be separate, to be unique, and to be whole. The word separate means to be distinct from everybody else. That means you don't need people for you to feel like somebody. Then you are single. Single means that you could enjoy your own company and be happy. Now you're single. Single means that you don't need people around you so you can feel special. Separate means that you don't need to imitate people, wear what they wear, smell what they smell, fix your hair like them so you can feel important. Separate means that you are separated from them and you are valuable by yourself. That means that you need to be like people and dress like people and walk like people and talk like people, then you are not yet single. The word single means to be unique. Unique means that you are distinctive and you bring unique qualities to life. That means if you are so busy trying to be like other people and never bring your uniqueness to life, you are not yet single. You are dangerous to get married to. And the word wholeness means that you are complete within yourself. To be whole means you are complete within yourself. Which means that you don't need anybody to be somebody. You are somebody all by yourself. That's called wholeness. God says, when you are that way, it's not good for you to be alone after that. I'll bless you. So, let me show you what we call marriage. Follow me. Can anybody see this? I hope. If you can't, just pretend you could. Alright? Let me show you what they call marriage, okay? This is what they call marriage. This is called my better half. Two people who are half full looking for their other half. That's what you've been taught by your community. You even say it about your marriage. This is my better half. Your better what? You mean they only half a person? You only half a person? And so you say, this is my better half. And I, that's why in this room you feel so inadequate because you've been told that you are not whole. So you feel 
inadequate, unfinished, empty, lacking, and you're depressed all these days. God, I'm 19. I got nobody here. I need my other half. Bring him quickly. Reveal her quickly. And then you start becoming so nervous at 22, you start prophesying. Oh God, if it's today, let him walk into the room with a yellow suit. Or we start lying to people. The Lord told me, you're supposed to be my wife. The first time I saw you, the Holy Spirit, oh stop lying on the Holy Spirit. This spirit of half. And so, watch what happens. Ready for this? Watch what happens now. You've got to see this. Here's what happens. So, here is Ulu. He meets, what's her name? Give me a name, ladies. Femi. Okay, this Ulu and Femi. Now watch this. Ulu meets Femi. Oh, the other way. Femi meets Ulu. What's the problem? Huh? Oh, Femi. Okay. Okay. Kemi meets Ulu. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> now, now what's this? Kemi and Ulu meet and they get excited. There's my better half. Praise the Lord. He told they get excited. Listen here. I love you. I love you too. I miss you. I miss you too. I was looking for you all my life. I was looking for you too. You are my better half. Me too. So, Kemi marries Ulu. And they finally become one. And now Ulu is complete. He found his other half. But we got a problem here. Kemi say, wait a minute, baby. Come on, baby. You can't do that to me. So she says, give me back myself. And while you're at it, give me you too. Now I'm fulfilled. And you got your own problem. And they spend the next 40 years fighting each other. To be fulfilled. Because they are not whole. Let me show you God's will please. This is God's will. It's different. God's will is. Kemi comes to Ulu. And Ulu and Kemi are completely whole. Now right away you notice something. He don't need nothing from her. And she don't need nothing from him. So when they meet. It's not because they need something. Which means that whenever he gives her something, it's not because he's trying to get something. Love doesn't give to make a deal. What God wants is two whole people who are distinct and separate. Who know who they are. Know their own value. Know their own self-concept. They know their own self-worth. They know they are valuable to the world. 
And they come together and they become an asset to each other. So instead of a 50-50 marriage, it's a 200% marriage. One can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand to flight. What God is looking for is wholeness. And this conference is designed to help you make it to singleness. And because I am completely single and maintaining my singleness, my marriage is working. I don't need my wife. So, my decision to love her is because I love her. My wife doesn't need me. So, her decision to love me is not because she needs something from me. The world is sick and you are coming out of it. The world says, if you leave me now, you take away the very heart of me. Ooh, girl, baby, please don't go. You mean I got the heart of you? You telling me that I control your heart? You just gave me power over you. Oh, girl, I'll be in. Come on, no place so spiritual on me now. Trouble if you let me now. What are you trying to tell me? If I leave you, you'll be in trouble. You just made me power over you. I can manipulate you. You are the sunshine of my life. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I always stay around. I'm the sunshine of your life. That means when I leave you'll be in darkness. Here's what God intended. I'm not your sunshine. You are your own son. I am a son. When we get together, we form a constellation. This is the will of God. Now listen to me. I am going to release an anointing right now for your single life to be secure. I'm going to release the same spirit that was upon me as a young man until I got married. That you would fall in love with the passion to become completely whole. Lift your right hand before the Lord right now. And by the way, if you don't know Him as your personal Lord and Savior, don't leave this room without receiving Him as your Lord. And if you need to give your life to Christ tonight, don't let this night pass with you hiding in the church and not giving your life to Christ personally. Stand up on your feet. Lift those hands up. Thank you, Jesus. Where's my musician? Can you please help me? Lift your hands up, please. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I heard your voice tonight. Help me to get my priorities right. I submit myself to your kingdom first. And I give you my life all over again as an unmarried person. You are my Lord. You are my King. And I thank you for reminding me that I am not to be pressured into marriage. I release the pressure. I embrace my single life. I accept my state 
And I know it is your will now for me to study and to grow and to expand and develop myself and to know myself and to regain myself. It is your will that I become separate, unique, and whole. It is your will that I have your life, your presence, your work in my life, to be a protector, to be a helper. And tonight, I rededicate my life to the fulfillment of your will. In Jesus' name, I will give my life solely to you. And you will bring to me the right person at the right time in the right place. And it will be right. And there will be no pressure. And I will be 100%. And they will be 100%. And together we shall bless the world. But in your time, Lord, in your time, Lord, in your time, Lord, I expect the best. I deserve the best. I am good. I deserve what is good. I am anointed. I deserve what's anointed. I am quality. I deserve quality. And tonight, I give myself to you, my Lord. I expect the best. I prepare myself for the best. I prepare myself for the best. I develop myself for the best. Yeah. Uh-huh. 